0: On the morning of Tuesday, September 11, 2001, 19 terrorists directed by al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden hijacked four commercial airliners scheduled to travel from northeastern United States to California. The hijackers crashed the first two planes into the north and south towers of the World Trade Center in New York City and the third plane into the Pentagon. The fourth plane was intended to hit a federal government building in Washington, D.C., but crashed in a field outside Shanksville, Pennsylvania when passengers fought back against the hijackers. On September 11, Lieutenant Colonel Brian Birdwell from the United States Army headquarters had just stepped into a Pentagon hallway when the fireball from the hijacked plane hit him. After recovering from the initial shot, Birdwell realized he was on fire. Jesus, I'm coming to see you, he remembers praying. When doctors finally attended to him at the Washington Burn Center, they found second and third degree burns over 60% of Birdwell's body. To save him, they performed several skin graft operations. I heard his story this past week of how when they tried to move him, that his skin would flesh just came off from people's hands, chunks of flesh. To save him, they performed those skin graft operations and President George W. and First Lady Laura Bush visited the burn Center on September 13. Among those they visited was Lieutenant Colonel Brian Birdwell. Laura Bush went into Brian's room and spoke to him for about a minute, all the time as if they were long-time acquaintances, and then she turned to Brian's wife, Mel, who had, been given, who had been at the hospital for about two and a half days. She was dirty, grimy, and wore a blood-stained shirt. Despite this, Laura hugged her for what Mel said it seemed like an eternity, just as if Mel was one of her closest family members. Laura then told Brian and Mel that there was someone there to see him. The president walked in. Standing by Brian's bedside, the president told Colonel Birdwell, that he was very proud of them both and regarded them as heroes. The president then saluted Brian. Brian slowly began to return the salute, taking about 15 to 20 seconds to get his hand up to his head because of his bandaged arms. During all of this, President Bush never moved. He dropped his salute only when Brian was finished with his. Colonel Birdwell lives now with renewed purpose. He said, I'm a walking miracle. Christ got me out of the fire. In him not taking me, that means I have a mission to complete for him. He will tell me what to do in due time. Well, he did. He did tell Brian Birdwell what to do. The Lord who spared his life gave Colonel Birdwell another opportunity to make him known. He has helped a lot of people, including wounded warriors. He serves as a Texas state senator. For him, 9-11 meant a new opportunity to follow Jesus and make it count. For Americans who live through this day, it will never be forgotten. Many 9-11 survivors have lingering health issues believed to be linked to the toxic smoke from the attack that collapsed the Twin Towers. Many others are living with the grief that came when nearly 3,000 people were murdered by these terrorists. We will always remember where we were on that day that we were attacked. I was in a local restaurant eating breakfast with my wife when the word spread that America was under attack. The employees in that little restaurant had a tiny 13 inch, I believe, color TV in their break room and people get, were gathering around it to see the news reports. As there was a picture of the World Trade uh, Tower and a, and a plane, it was on fire, a plane that hit it. Well, we thought maybe it was a terrible accident until we watched uh, as a second plane slammed into the, the second building. Then it showed President Bush who was in an elementary school reading to students when aides interrupted him and whispered to him what had happened. I'll never forget the look on our president's face when they told him the news. We opened the churches that day and people came in and prayed. On that day, the news wasn't filled with political attacks. There was a somberness that swept the land unlike anything I had seen in my lifetime. It was a dark day in our country, a day when evil attacked us. I wish I could say that something like this could never happen again, but But we know that America still has many enemies in the world, enemies who would love to see us destroyed. And the darkness that led these terrorists to attack on September 11, 2001 is even greater today. On September 11th, 2022. I believe we're living in very desperate days, dark days, evil days. And what we need today is what we needed then. What the world has always needed, the world needs Jesus. Amen? There's a lot of things people think they need, but the most important thing they need is Jesus. Like the attacks on 9-11 that brought Americans together and brought the rise of heroes so We need heroes today, heroes of faith who will stand for what is right and good and share Jesus with this dark world and shine some light into the lives of people. People like Colonel Birdwell believed God had a purpose for his life. In our study of God's transforming grace, we see that same commitment and dedication in the Apostle Paul. He looked at his world, he saw the darkness, and he did something about it. He had no internet, no TV, no cell phone, no car, no plane, just two feet and a lot of faith in God and his purposes. And with that, God used Paul to touch his dark world with the light of Jesus. His kind of faith and commitment is what we look, what it took then, and what we need now to transform our world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 21. And I want to continue our message that we're studying, Transforming Grace. And if you're willing and able, would you stand with me and let us honor God's Word today. Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Cost the following day to Rhodes and from there to Patara, and finding a ship sailing over... Phoenicia, we went aboard and says, sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre. For there, the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul, through the Spirit, not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city, And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship, and they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemus, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea, and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and, delivered him into, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, Both we and those from that place pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Pray with me. Thank you, Father, that you have an ultimate purpose for... Your people, And that is to be with you in your kingdom for all eternity. For that we look forward. Lord, we, we don't look back. We look forward. Because we know, Lord, that as we go through this life, we're going to have tribulation. You said that, Lord. You said, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Lord, that's why we can look forward to what you have in store for us. We look back only today, Lord, to remember the terror that was inflicted upon our nation and to pray that it would never happen again. We pray, God, that today we would remain safe. But, Father, we pray that the darkness would lift. That, God, that you would send men and women, people like us, into the world. Maybe we just feel like we're just one one flashlight in a sea of darkness, but one flashlight can dispel a big area of darkness. And I pray, God, today that all of us together, like a mighty army, marching forward with light and life, I pray that we'll make a difference in our world so that we can be that one nation under God, like you designed us to be, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Transforming Grace. After having finished his ministry in Asia Minor, Paul and his friends boarded a ship in Miletus, traveling south and east on successive days to the islands of Kos and Rhodes. And the next day, they continued to the poor city of Patara, where they boarded a larger ship which could handle the open sea and make the 400-mile trip to Phoenicia or Syria, what is called Syria. Luke said they saw Cyprus off their port bow and port side and went around it, which was the only land they would have seen on that 400-mile journey to the poor city of Tyre. We see in verses 1 through 3, it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kos, the following day to Rhodes, from there to Patara, and finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload the cargo. Tyre was the main port between Asia and Palestine. There Paul and his friends sought out a group of believers and stayed with them for a week. That's what we see in verse 4. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul had a passion for Jerusalem. He wanted to be there in time for the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost, that was the feast being celebrated in Jerusalem in Acts 1 and 2, when the church was born before leaving the Ephesian elders. Notice what Paul said to them. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. He said, and see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was ready to complete his mission at the place where it all began, Jerusalem. It was in Jerusalem that the Lord Jesus would suffer, bleed and die on an old rugged cross to pay the penalty for our sins. It was in Jerusalem that they laid the lifeless body of our Lord in the tomb. And on the third day He rose again. It was in Jerusalem that Jesus led His disciples out to the Mount of Olives and gave them the Great Commission to take His message of eternal life in the kingdom, His message of grace, transforming grace to the ends of the earth. Luke recorded these words from Jesus. Read them with me from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Christianity began in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit baptized those new believers on the day of Pentecost. And then it spread... To the rest of the world. And Paul had a whole lot to do with that spread. He traveled throughout Asia Minor. Through places like Antioch, Thessalonica, Philippi. We can see it on the map. Look at all these places that he traveled. He's going from Antioch, Tarsus, Iconium, Antioch of, of Pisidia. Yeah, Ephesus, Tro, Trigillium, Miletus, up to Assos, Troas, Neapolis, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Achaia, Corinth. He's back again, and he's at Miletus, and he leaves there, and he goes down to, to the little island of Kos, and then Rhodes, and then Petara, and then he makes that 400-mile trip around Cyprus, and he gets to Tyre, and from there, he's going to go to Ptolemais and Caesarea, and ultimately to Jerusalem. That was his mission, to take the, grace of, the message of the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus to the world. We see in verses 4 through 6. And finding disciples, we stayed at Tyre seven days. And they told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us. I want you to notice, get in your mind the picture. The, a, the, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul. He wasn't great in stature. He was just great in faith. We think he had failing eyesight. And he, he just wasn't, he, he wasn't like a hulk of a man. He was just a But he was a giant in faith. And when Paul, having traveled all these places we saw, When Paul, when he was leaving, the men and the women and the children, they all gathered around him, and they followed him like a family. And they were a family. Christians are a family. And they accompanied him, and they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we knelt down there on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship, and they returned home. At Tyre, the disciples urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. In fact, Luke wrote in verse 4 that we, through the Spirit, urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But that is not what Paul heard from God when he was in Miletus. He said in verses 22 and 23 there, he said in Acts 20, See, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit has said to me that in every city chains and tribulations await me. Paul was not headed for Jerusalem because he wanted to suffer. Paul, he wasn't trying to become a martyr. Paul was headed for Jerusalem because that was God's purpose for him. He heard the voice of the Lord. The Lord Jesus, who had saved Paul on the road to Damascus, sent him on a mission that took him through some very painful places. At Philippi, he was bound and thrown with Silas into a dungeon. At Lystra, he was stoned and dragged out of the city and left for dead. Paul knew the risk of following Jesus. But he had heard the voice of his Lord, and he was ready to suffer, just as Jesus suffered. Why is it that Christians think that we, when we accept Christ, that we're just going to have a whole bunch of of good times and roses? Friends, Jesus, our Savior, the one who founded our faith, suffered, bled, and died on a cross. Christians shouldn't expect crowns. Christians should expect crosses. Jesus said that if anyone would follow him, he he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Paul was carrying his cross. He had heard the voice of the Lord and he was ready to suffer just as Jesus suffered. God sent Paul to people who needed Jesus desperately. To some of the darkest places on earth where temples were erected to false gods where immorality was a way of life, where Christians were persecuted for the truth. Paul carried the message of God's grace to his dark world, the same message we have today, that through faith in Jesus, one who is without God can be delivered from the chains of darkness which Satan uses to enslave the world. Today, we are in the same kind of world in which Paul found himself, where immorality is a way of life, where murder and violent crime happens every day, where people are divided over what is true and what is a lie, where people are confused about the most basic of values, where Christians are being persecuted for shining the light and exposing the darkness. That's our world today, folks. A world that's even more dangerous than when the Twin Towers came down. But even though the darkness is great, The light of Jesus that resides in his people can overcome even the fiercest darkness. In fact, it's the only thing that can reach down into the heart and soul of a person and break the chains that hold hold him. Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus said, read it with me. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Light is the enemy of darkness. And that's why the world hates Jesus and his followers so much. Jesus said the reason people reject him and his offer of salvation is because they love darkness more than, than light. Light and darkness are opposites. Just as God and Satan are opposites. And good and evil are opposites. Those who love good will love God and will walk in the light of his truth, the truth of his word. Those who love Evil will hate God and will walk in the way of Satan and be led by him. They will practice evil. But those who love God and his word will be transformed by his grace. The grace of God which transformed Paul and brought him into God's purpose for his life has called each one of us and has opened the door of God's purpose for our lives. Like Paul The Lord Jesus invites us to join Him on His mission to redeem the world and open His kingdom to those who would follow Him. When God's grace transforms us, He transforms our purposes. Without Christ, we live for what we can gain for ourselves. With Christ, we live for Him and for His glory. Paul said Christ died for all, that those who live, who have been transformed by His grace should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. When we receive Jesus, we receive all that comes with Jesus, including his great kingdom purpose. We stop living for our selfish purposes, and we start living to please him. His grace opens a door for us, not only to be the children of God in his kingdom, but to be part of his great kingdom work. And that's our grace principle today. This is what grace does. Let's read it together. The grace of God opens the door for us into His kingdom purposes. Now, the only purpose God has for an unbeliever is to repent and be saved. That's that's the only purpose. But once we are saved by His grace, God begins to work His kingdom purposes out in our lives. We were not saved just to go to heaven one day. We were saved to make God's kingdom purpose known to a world that is engulfed in darkness. You and I were saved to shine His light in this dark world. That's right. Remember this. Satan wants to keep people in darkness when it comes to God. Satan does not want people to know the real way into God's eternal kingdom. He does not want people to hear about Jesus because that's the truth that sets men free. Do you understand? You do. I know you understand. Can you just think back in your life? Can you, can you just ask yourself a question? When did we start when did we start leaving God out of our lives? When? When did we, as a nation, stop wanting our children to know about God? When? Uh, for me, I remember. I remember, it. I remember back in my high school days, they didn't talk, God was, prayer was stopped. It was stopped back before that. It was stopped back in my elementary days. I remember days in elementary school of reading a Bible and praying in a public school classroom. I remember that. And then it stopped. And ever since that time, we've been pushing God farther and farther away. And today, the majority of people do not want their children to know about God. Isn't that a shame? We've come to that place to where we've left God out for so long that now we have generations. We have have grandparents today who can just barely remember when America went to church. You see? Today, we have parents that have never been inside a church building. We have parents that don't know anything about God. I recently heard... I recently heard some Christian grandparents say to me, I don't think my grandson has ever even opened a Bible before. That's in America. Is that hard to believe? It's almost hard to believe for me. But that's the kind of plan Satan has had all along to capture the minds of children and teach them that there is no God, to teach them that there is no absolute truth, to teach them that there is no real morality. That there is no real right from wrong, right and wrong. You see, so that's what's happened in our world today. Satan has done a good job of keeping people in darkness. We have not done such a good job in shining the light, have we? No, we haven't. Because God's people who we don't like controversy, we don't like confrontation. So we have become more and more silent through the decades to where now the church is like a distant memory, an antiquated, an antiquated religion. That's the way the world looks at us today. Paul told Timothy that's not God's purpose. Paul said to Timothy, God desires, read it with me, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Who does God want to be saved? All men. He wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the what? Truth. It is God who saves, but He uses His people to bring the knowledge of His truth to a dark world. That's what He did with Paul. That's our great commission. God's purpose for us. Jesus said, go to all the nations and teach them what I've commanded you. That's the truth that this world so desperately needs. The truth of salvation through Jesus Christ. In, a, in another week, we're going to hear from a, a Gideon speaker who's going to come. And that wonderful Gideon International Ministry is businessmen and women who are taking and putting little, putting New Testaments, giving them to as many children as they can. They're, they used to go into the public schools and give out Testaments. I have my red New Testament given to me when I was in the fourth or third or fourth grade. Still have it. They can't do that anymore, they can, they, but they can go to other places and they can give them out, and they can put them in doctor's offices, and they can put Bibles in hotel rooms, and they do that, and they've given out, like, I don't have a billion or more Bibles. I don't know how many it is. They can tell us. But you know something, folks? That's the truth that people need today. The Word of God. There is no other way for a person to get to heaven than to be forgiven and transformed by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. When we have that faith and have been brought into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father begins to speak His will to us and direct us into His kingdom purposes for our individual lives. Every believer is part of God's ultimate plan for redemption. But God's plan to use us to bring others into His kingdom, God's plan is tailor-made for each one of us. That's right, each individual. God calls us and places us in specific destinations, in specific situations among people He knows we can reach so that He might work through us. God does not redeem the world in masses. God redeems the world one person at a time by using one person at a time. Not everyone can preach or teach for the kingdom, but everyone can do something, can't we? Everybody can. You see this canister? Now, this looks to me like a Pringles potato chip, potato chip canister. It does. Now, this container belonged to a little faithful lady in our church named Jill Fincher and Jill Fincher just went home to be with Jesus she took this potato chip tin and she put a piece of red construction paper on it and she wrote on here give at church malachi 3:10 now malachi 3:10 says bring your tithes into the storehouse So bring your tithes in the store. So give your tithes and offerings. This is what she was saying. Now this little lady set this container in her home. And she told her children and grandchildren that came through the door to fill it up. And when they did, she would take it to church and give it as their offering to God. Now I don't know how many times Jill did this. But this one is almost full. And now she's gone to be with Jesus. So she couldn't bring this to church. Her family gave it to me. And I brought it for her. I, you, uh, people, think, people think they can't do anything for God. They're not talented enough. They, they, they don't have a purpose in God's kingdom. But you have a purpose in God's kingdom. You might not can preach or teach. But can you wrap a piece of car, construction paper around it? canister and put a hole in the top and tell your children and grandchildren let's give let's give to God from what from the from the blessings he's given us can you do that yes you can anytime anybody can do can do this anyone can do something jill couldn't Jill could do that much for God's can she did other things too but she could teach others to honor God with what they have and you ushers when y'all get the offering today, there it is. Be sure, be sure and pick this up because that's her last offering to the church, to God. God's plan is a personal plan and He uses our strengths and our experiences to reach our world. No matter how God uses us, we are all part of God's kingdom purposes. Now, that's the reason Jesus left His Great Commission with His disciples. If there was no kingdom of heaven for us, if there was no saving grace for a sinner, then Jesus would not have given His life as a sacrifice, neither would He have called His disciples to risk everything for the gospel. He would not have sent Paul to Jerusalem if Jesus were not going to save those who would hear the gospel. But because God's forgiveness is available through the blood of Jesus, and because His grace opens the door to His kingdom, we have the same good news today that Paul preached in his day. It's the same message. The difference is that Paul was willing to suffer and die to give, to give the gospel to those who desperately needed it. He risked everything for the gospel. That's why he was headed to Jerusalem. He said, I am ready... I'm ready to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Could you say that? He was going to Jerusalem because that was God's next destination for him. God told him so. But just as God told Paul to head for Jerusalem, there were others telling him to avoid Jerusalem. First we see it at Tyre. Don't go to Jerusalem, they said. Then further along the way, look at verses 7 through 12. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemais, greeted the brethren and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, remember him? And stayed with him. This is like one of the first deacons, you know, and, and he's a preacher too, he's proclaiming the gospel. We came to Philip's house and stayed with him, and now this man, Philip, had four virgin daughters who prophesied. It means they told the Word of God, they, they taught it, they They proclaimed it. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So when we heard these things, this is Luke talking, we, this is Luke. So when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem Paul's hearing all kinds of things isn't he Luke and those people that were with Paul said please don't go to Jerusalem Philip, he was an extraordinary man a man of God having preached the gospel himself to that Ethiopian eunuch and others he raised his children to follow Jesus his daughters were proclaimers of the word of God Then came Agabus. Paul had met Agabus in Antioch when he came from Jerusalem, and he predicted a great famine. And that did happen. Agabus took Paul's cloth belt that was wrapped several times around his waist, and he wrapped around his own hands and feet. And according to Agabus, Paul would be bound hand and foot, arrested for carrying the good news of Jesus to the city where the Savior was crucified. Luke said, now when we heard these things, both we... And those from that place, Philip and his family, pleaded with Paul to not go up to Jerusalem. Good people. Good intentions. But not God's intentions. Can good people have good intentions, that, but they're not God's intentions? Yeah. That's what happened. Have you ever had people offer you advice? Advice which sounded real good, but it was not the right advice. What they said to Paul sounded good, but it wasn't what God told him. No matter what they said to Paul, God had already spoken to Paul. God had given Paul his personal plan for his future. Remember what Paul said in Acts 20, 22, and 23. Now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying, Chains and tribulations await me. Paul saw himself as bound to Christ, the servant of Jesus, bound to him by the Holy Spirit. It was through the Holy Spirit that the Lord Jesus spoke to Paul, giving him a clear direction and a clear destination in experiencing God. Henry Blackaby reminded us that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Dr. Blackaby went on to say that whenever God spoke to people in the Bible, they knew it was God and they knew what God wanted them to do. Friends, God does not have trouble speaking to you and telling you clearly what He wants you to do. He gave us His Word and His Holy Spirit to speak His Word to our minds and show us what it means to us. I can teach this book. I can tell you what I believe it means. But it's the Holy Spirit who takes the words and who applies those words to your life. That's what happens when you're hearing the Word of God. We may not always be listening to God. But He's within us. We should be listening. He can speak loudly and clearly. So, just in case we miss what God is trying to tell us, God says the same thing over and over again. God doesn't change His mind. God does not become tired of speaking to us. When God speaks to us as He spoke to Paul, He continued to show Paul exactly what to do. Now, I've had people ask me, well, how do I know if God's speaking to me or if I'm hearing the devil or maybe my own thoughts? Well, let me tell you that whenever God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, it will always be a message that honors Jesus. His message will always be in line with His Word. If you ever think you hear God saying something and it doesn't match this, it's not of God, you see. So that's why we need to work at being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And the only way to be controlled by the Holy Spirit is to spend time in God's Spirit, in His presence, with God's Word, praying and seeking God. It's been a whole lot of times when I've prayed and asked the Lord for something very important in my life. And I've gone to the Word, and the Lord just would say to me, Read, and I would just start reading, and reading, and reading, and it was almost like the voice of the Lord says, Stop. And I'd look in that verse, that next verse. After looking through chapters of the Word, God just wanted me in His Word. And then all of a sudden, stop. And I'd look at it, and it would be the answer I needed. God speaks. If If we'll listen, we'll hear what God has to say. God wants to take control of our thoughts when the Holy Spirit has control of our minds, our thoughts are His thoughts. And when the Holy Spirit is in control of our thoughts and other thoughts come in, we know they're not of God. You see, Paul said we must work to bring every thought into captivity for Christ. In other words, in, we have to make sure our minds are in His complete control. That's how we can know the mind of Christ, by exercising surrender of our thoughts to God every day. We have to practice letting God have control of our thoughts. It just doesn't come. Listen, hearing God through prayer does not come when all you're going to do is pray at a meal. Hearing God does not come if all you're going to do is just say a little prayer now and then. Hearing God through prayer and through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, is going to come when you spend time With the Holy Spirit. When you spend time with God through His Holy Spirit. We have to practice that. It doesn't just come automatically. We have to practice surrender. Like the girls were singing. Surrender. To Hilla, it was beautiful. I surrender. Well, we have to practice that. Paul spent time with Jesus. And that's why he never doubted God's word to him. Not even when friends tried to persuade him otherwise. We see in verses 12 and 13. Now when we heard these things, talking about uh, Luke and Philip and the others. When we heard these things from Agabus, we and those from that place pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. It wasn't, that, it wasn't that the people around Paul were bad people, they were good people, they were great people, they were Christians. These were powerful men and women of faith. But even men and women of faith can make mistakes. And allow their own reasoning and emotions to affect their hearing God correctly. They loved Paul. They didn't want Paul to go and be arrested and face danger and die like Jesus died. But that was Christ's purpose for Paul. And he knew it. Verse 14. Let's read this one together. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. That's the real test of our faith and love for Jesus isn't it? Our surrender to His will. In the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was feeling the intense agony that was just hours away when He was kneeling and praying in His Father's presence and His sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground our Lord said to His Father, Father if it's possible let this cup pass from me but nevertheless not my will but Thy will be done. That's what Paul was saying. Dr. Blackaby said again, you cannot stay where you are and go with God. You cannot continue doing things your way and accomplish God's purposes in His way. Your thinking cannot come close to God's thoughts. For you, do, for you to do the will of God, you must adjust your life to Him, His purposes, and His ways. God doesn't need the adjusting. We do, right? Isn't that true? Amen? We need the adjusting. Following Jesus is not easy. Sometimes it's dangerous and difficult. Often it is lonely. However, hearing the voice of our shepherd and following his purpose for us is always the best and most important thing we can do, for it can make an eternal difference in our lives as well as the lives of others. Jesus said... My sheep hear my voice, and they follow. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my, our, my hand. Our world is perishing at an alarming rate. I read an article about how real Christianity... Now, not this pop culture Christianity. But real Christianity is dead in Europe and is dying in America. Even lost people see the hypocrisy in people who call themselves Christians today but practice that which the Bible condemns. Real faith is a practice of daily surrender to God's Word and God's will. A Christian is a Christ follower. And folks, Jesus did not travel His roads and go into His dark world with profane language and engaging in immoral activity. John said, "...little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as He, God, is righteous." He who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Folks, we cannot transform our world with a life that is practicing evil because there is no light of God in that kind of life. We have to start practicing righteousness in our own life before we can help others know Christ and practice His righteousness. Again, it's about surrender to Jesus. Paul spent his life practicing the righteousness of his Savior. Paul didn't just talk about Jesus. He practiced Jesus. He displayed Jesus in what he did and said. He worked to remain devoted to Jesus. And it takes work because there's so much pressure today to conform to this pagan culture. And to confuse us and trip us up. Satan will often use good people to try to influence us away from God's kingdom purpose for us. But remember, good intentions are not always God's intentions. Christians need to learn to hear God's voice and follow God's voice. And that's not going to happen without spending time with Jesus. Paul did not have the New Testament like we have today. He had to hear what God said and write it down. And today we have what he wrote. We're grateful that he listened to God. Today, we know what to do. God's given us the roadmap through this whole life. We know what is needed in this world, the truth. We know how important it is to share the message and love of Jesus every day. In some way, we need to follow Jesus even when others are trying to influence us to do something different. Just think, if someone, just think folks, if someone had reached those terrorists who attacked America... If someone had reached them with the gospel, if they had been transformed by God's grace, then 9-11 would never have happened. Jesus laid down His glory in His life to become a sacrifice for us. Paul was willing to lay down his life to take the gospel to the lost world. What would you be willing to lay down to be a living example of Jesus? to the darkness dark to the world people in your world who are walking in darkness what would you be willing to do to help someone get into God's eternal kingdom what is God trying to tell you today on Tuesday morning September 11 2001 Dawn Robinson followed her usual morning routine while getting ready for work which consisted of her morning quiet time where she prayed for God's leadership throughout her day Shortly after arriving at work in New York City, she made her way to her office in the South Tower of the World Trade Center. At 8.45 a.m., she heard a loud boom and looking out her window, saw smoke from the North Tower. A voice came over the intercom and informed everyone that there was no danger and just to stay where they were. Dawn said she immediately felt a compelling urge to get out of that building. And then she said she had a very intense feeling of claustrophobia, and like a voice was saying, get out. So she immediately began making her way to the stairs. Dawn said about, se- about then, she said, 75% of the people she came in contact with were following the advice from the intercom system and going back to their offices to continue their work. Nevertheless, Dawn continued making her way down the emergency stairwells. When she made it to the 42nd floor at 9.03 a.m., Flight 175 of Boeing 767 hit the South Tower, slamming into the area of the building where Dawn's office was located. God had spoken to Dawn's heart, and she heard him, and she followed him. What if she would have just brushed it off? What if on Tuesday morning she had skipped her quiet time or didn't pray or didn't listen to God? It would have been a tragedy for her. What if Paul had not followed the voice of the Lord? What if he had listened to the voices of his friends and had quit before his mission was completed? What if you don't follow the voice of the Lord? What if you listen to the voice of your friends? It might be devastating. It would have been devastating for us if Paul had not listened to God because he wouldn't have written what we have today in the New Testament. Paul wrote most of the New Testament when he was in a Roman prison. After having gone to Jerusalem, would you bow? Who today are you hearing? Are you listening to Jesus or are you listening to some other voices? Are you trying to skip Jerusalem? you know, the place where Jesus died, are you trying to skip the cross? You don't want to face any opposition, controversy. You don't want to have to stand up for faith. You just want to just be left alone. Folks, we cannot get into heaven if we don't embrace the cross. Are you ready to carry that cross wherever it might lead wherever God might lead you, are you ready to stand up and say, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do what God's called me and empowered me to do. I'm going to be part of His kingdom work. I'm going to reach out to somebody. I'm going to start every day saying to someone something for God. I'm going to take some Calvary outreach cards. I'm going to give them out and put them places. I'm going to invite somebody to church. I'm going to start praying for someone and I'm going to find a way to talk to them about how good God has been to me. Are you willing to do that? Maybe you don't hear God because you don't know God. He he knows you and He wants to come into your life and be your Savior. Why don't you pray with me? Open your heart today to Jesus. Say, dear Jesus, more than anything, I need you. I recognize that. I'm sorry for leaving you out of my life. I believe you died on the cross, Jesus, and paid for my sins with your own blood and your own life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior forever. Right now, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender. I give you my life, my mind. My eyes and ears, my mouth, my hands and feet. Wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to reach, I'll do it. I'll follow you as long as I live. Thank you, Jesus, that you're my Savior, my Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. If you prayed that prayer, put some some legs with that faith and start living for Jesus. While we're singing, I'll be at the front. If you want to talk to me about your decision to follow Jesus, the cameras will be off. And while we're singing, just walk down. I'll, I'll pray for you, encourage you. Or you can tell me, going out the door, whatever you'd like. Father in heaven, thank you that we have a God to whom we can surrender and who can do anything. Lord, I pray that none of us will hold back any part of us for ourselves. But that we would, like Paul, be willing to do anything to help these people in this dark world see the light of Jesus, that this week our lights will shine. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, Brother Stan.
1: Stand with us as we sing together, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You see, there's light for a look at the sea.